Okay, hello and welcome everyone to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Wealth Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... I'm Candice LaPage. With her new Bluetooth headphones. Yes. Yeah, there's no wire. I don't have to <laughs> accidentally get caught on the wire between the microphone and my head. <laughs> well, we got Bluetooth headphones, and we have a literary character who's been in so many uh, movies, he's maybe a little blue in the tooth, if you know what I mean. <laughs> is, is that a thing? Okay. I don't sure. I, I just... <laughs> It's always it's so hard to fill the chit chat part of the show. It's uh, <laughs> I know so- all that small talk. It's just so human. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a group anyway. Uh, End credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at three p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies. Which this week will be the new vampire horror comedy Renfield, which you can now see in a theater near you and. Uh, yeah, quite a few people out on a Saturday afternoon to see Renfield. I was surprised. Mm, not so many at my screening. Oh, really? Just me and one other dude. Oh, that's too bad. That was the way I like it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, fair, fair enough. Um, I think Renfield probably goes down better with even a small crowd, but we will save that discussion for later for the first half of the show here. Uh, obviously, we have a movie about Dracula. Um, so let's talk about movies with Dracula in it. But no, uh, th- seriously though, you know, when you start digging into it, even stuff like tangentially connected to Dracula, like uh, in um, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I for- I've literally forgotten the name of the movie for a minute. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, <laughs> there's a whole subplot about one of the main characters developing a puppet musical about Dracula. Um, so oh, even. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> really that dracula is not on my list <laughs> uh understandable but i mean just you know that's how far the characters permeated i think it's dracula and sherlock holmes the two most often adapted characters in movies and tv um hundreds of i mean when you include you know other movies made in different countries and other tv shows we're talking about uh perhaps hundreds of of portrayals of those two characters and i think they even if they're i'm gonna look it up for a second here but i'm pretty sure there was also a sherlock holmes dracula crossover at some point i mean i wouldn't put it past everybody i feel like there was a sherlock holmes jack the ripper crossover uh yes i do recall that there is you know once things get into that uh you know no longer protected by copyright and it's suddenly free ip for everybody oh that's right we start Um, playing (laughs) (laughs) well there appears to be a whole series of novels uh with sherlock holmes versus other literary characters of the supernatural realm i have here sherlock holmes and mr hyde and sherlock holmes versus dracula um so there is a a subgenre of uh sherlock holmes fighting monsters uh uh, that that were his contemporaries so we've got that going for us um apparently i guess i was wrong about there being some sort of uh cultural you know movie or tv adaptation i expect there will be something we'll 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 get there eventually i'ventually i'm sure uh there will be a big screen 
Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula at some point, probably part of some shared universe, but uh, I don't know. Is Hollywood that bankrupt? We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta keep pushing out that content. Yes, we do need content. Rich content. Content all the time. Um, So that brings us to Dracula, and uh, there are many different Draculas, so we're going to create a list of six Dracula portrayals out of the hundreds. And uh, it's going to be set up kind of like a draft. So if Candace says a name, I can't say the name. And if I say a name, Candace can't say a name. So it's, it's going to be a pure, well, maybe not a pure draft, but we're not, I'm not, I don't want to call it <laughs> like calling it the Dracula draft seems kind of silly and precious. And I don't want to go there, but um that's what we're going to do for the first part of the show here. So uh, we're going to talk about Draculas. So Candace, which Dracula do you want to take off the board first? All right. So for me, the uh, first Dracula I have to talk about, and it's probably, um, probably the one I think about the most. And I think this movie is maybe the reason you thought there was a Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula, because it's <laughs> Dracula 2000, where Johnny Lee Miller, who played Sherlock Holmes at the <gasps> television show, uh, fights Gerard Butler, Dracula slash Judas, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, <laughs> of Dracula <laughs> 2000. So this might be where you were thinking, uh, oh, Sher- didn't Sherlock Holmes fight <laughs> Gerard Butler? It could be, it could be. As he did. Yes, Johnny Lee Miller plays uh one of the you know uh, a person who's i think is he in love with the woman who's the granddaughter of van helsing and he's kind of like van helsing's little pet (laughs) yes that sounds correct he's van helsing's assistant and loves van helsing's granddaughter that's right yes but really we're all here for gerard butler um (laughs) (laughs) who i i will say there are almost Almost no other acting roles by Gerard Butler that I have enjoyed or mm. watched again or really thought, wow, Gerard Butler really, really nailed that role. But I love him as his Dracula here. He's really like, he really gets the sort of ancientness. Like, he just seems like kind of tired of doing all of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get the whole, and I think this is part probably why I love Dracula 2000 so much, because we get this like alternate take of why he is a vampire, where he came from. And it's because uh, he was Judas. And after having, you know, <laughs> killed himself for for <gasps> betraying Jesus, he dies and comes back to life now forever cursed. Mm-hmm. as dracula to roam the streets and we get these weird like things where some coins land on the ground and and <laughs> gerard butler gets all nervous about it yeah we get um, the guns and roses flashback to uh <laughs> ancient rome yeah <laughs> yeah and this i i just love this movie it is i love that it's called dracula 2000 because there is no movie that more screams 2000 than Mm -hmm. this movie it -hmm. had all of the up-and-coming actors the soundtrack was absolutely banging with like new metal and like hard kind of indie rock stuff i just i i unapologetically love this film and gerard butler's dracula from dracula 2000 
it's part of Gerard Butler's like before he was like action hero from Dublin, Oklahoma. He was he had this like weird romantic phase where he was Dracula and he was the Phantom of the Opera. And uh, oh, that's right, I forgot his Phantom role too. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Um, they tried to make him this like swooning power ballad kind of leading leading man figure, and yeah, that that movie is. I mean, that movie famously worked backwards from the title. Uh, somebody at dimension had the idea like let's do dracula 2000 and then they had to make a movie in 12 months um (laughs) as if calling it dracula 2001 would have been like a huge loss but um what i remember that is uh speaking of how it's so 2000s the you get the three brides played by jennifer esposito jerry ryan and vitamin c Yeah, I mean, vitamin C, right? Her song Graduation Day, is that what it was called? Was mm-hmm. the the song of like, I don't know, classes of what, 98, 90, 99, 2000, 2001? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was, um, uh, that was then. This is now. Um, I, I'm going to start off with kind of an, uh, out of left field pick of my own. Um, there was a movie that came out in 2014 that was supposed to reboot universal monsters um and it did not this was before the mummy the tom cruise mummy um but this was called dracula untold and it was the untold origin of dracula even though it's pretty i, I don't want to say it's historically based because it's really not but I, it, it's essentially tries to i don't know gladiatorize dracula by giving him this like complex origin as like a, the prince of uh his his homeland in Transylvania. There's a threat from the Ottoman Empire. Uh, he uh, is trying to. This is after he has established himself as the Impaler, and uh, he, he was lived this kind of like soldier's life. He was the most feared soldier in the eastern part of Europe, and he decides to set it aside and and take up a life of peace as sort of like peaceful prince administrator of of his kingdom. And then the Ottoman Empire threatens him again. Um, and then because the, the Ottomans are, are so overwhelming, he uh, seeks out this creature living in the caves and the mountains. And speaking of uh, retconning historical figures to uh, vampirism, uh, the, the creature in the caves is, is a vampire. Um, this vampire, though, was Caligula. Um <laughs> He, he was once Caligula, now he's a vampire living in the caves in Transylvania, and he makes a pact with Vlad that he will give Vlad temporarily the powers of a vampire to vanquish the Ottomans, um, but if, as long as he can avoid drinking blood for three days and, and, and uh, giving himself fully to the vampire curse, he will return to a human status. But if he does give in to the curse, uh, the Caligula vampire, who's played by Charles Dance, by the way, great charles dance uh villain role um as i think they all are but um <laughs> yes yeah. but uh so yeah dracula gives into the curse obviously and and charles dance is released and the whole thing is set up perfectly for a sequel with dracula walking through modern london he sees a woman that looks like his wife who's been dead for centuries and he, they meet they have a little meet cute and they go off to walk into modern day london and we pan over and boom caligula sitting there saying let the games begin Sadly, we will never get a sequel to see what games come. Um, but this starred Luke Evans, who I'm vexed how this guy is not a movie star. 
uh, especially something like this, where he can kind of tap into that swashbuckling, old-fashioned hero uh, thing that he, you know, he he tried this a couple of different ways. He was in two of the Hobbit movies. He was in uh, Paul W. S. Anderson's Three Musketeers. Um, he was also in a couple of Fast and Furious movies as a villain. Um, paradoxically, as Jason Statham's brother, I don't know how that family works because it's Jason Statham, Luke Evans. And Vanessa Kirby, who we met in Hobbs and Shaw. So name three people who look nothing alike. You would never guess. They're, and of course, Helen Mirren's their mother. So they I mean, could be adopted. It's all right. All right. Fair enough. But I, I do think it's something of a crime. We don't get the Dracula Untold Part 2 or Dracula Untold Further. I don't know what you would call it, but it is a shame. Dracula and, Told? Dracula Told. Uh, and it's also a shame Luke Evans isn't a bigger movie star because he's great. He's very charismatic. I mean, he's not called to do, called upon to do much here, but um, I find him a very engaging screen presence. And uh, Dracula Untold, it's not as bad as people said or thought at the time. It's it's perfect. It's a it's a perfect it's a perfectly good sit. But there we have it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to your next pick. All right, my next pick is really. Um, Unexpected, I'm going to say. Oh, okay. Because uh, I'm going with Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. from Shadow of the Vampire, mm-hmm. where Willem Dafoe plays the actor who <laughs> played Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. So he's he's playing um, uh, Max Shrek, mm-hmm. right? That's, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nosferatu is the Dracula story. Um, it just uh, was not titled Dracula because they didn't want to have to um, pay anybody any money or deal with <laughs> any of the uh, the copyright sort of stuff. So they just mm. told the Dracula story, but but called it uh, Nosferatu with uh, Count Orlok as mm-hmm. as Count Dracula. Mm-hmm. And uh, in um, when did this come out? I think it was like two thousand and I think yeah, two thousand. Yeah, 2000. Um, They made this... uh, It's it's absolutely not like a biopic of making the film Nosferatu. Because it is absolutely a narrative. And it's kind of like... It's a bit of a horror comedy, actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea behind it, of course, is that uh, the actor playing uh, Count Orlok, so Max Shrek, the actor, was also actually a vampire of course there's this scene where he shows up and and looks exactly like count orlock does which is kind of like gnomish with really long ears and a long nose and um like big sharp teeth and these Mm -hmm. long fingers and he's demanding to the uh director that he wants to have makeup done for his role Mm -hmm. (laughs) like no no makeup you do it just like that like because he is a vampire. <laughs> um, so, Willem Dafoe playing Dracula via many, many side roads, I mm-hmm. think, is just great. He, I mean, Willem Dafoe is one of those weird actors who can do really serious, really, like, um, over-the-top kind of serious, mm-hmm. where he seems, like, dangerous and scary. Um, but then he can also do that same over-the-topness and bring so much humor to it, um, which I think is why he also worked so well in Spider-Man as mm-hmm. uh, the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. But this is the same sort of thing where he's just, he plays this little like skittish kind of 
man <laughs> who is also <laughs> eating the other cast members and the other crew members. Mm -hmm. uh, it is hilarious. Uh, interestingly, it was produced by Nicolas Cage. Yep, that's right. Nicolas Cage has has had his his eyes on the Dracula story for a while. So uh, <laughs> this is one of the ways to get in there. And the cast list is just great. It's um, John Malkovich plays the, um, the director. The director. Murnau. Yeah, Murnau. Uh, Willem Dafoe, of course, is great. But we've also got like Udo Kier is in this, Eddie Izzard. It's just like this list of all of those actors that you go, I've seen that guy in something or I know him from somewhere. <laughs> or mm -hmm. hey, isn't he always the bad guy in this movie? <laughs> Udo Kier, of course, is uh, the the leader of the pure blood vampires in the first Blade movie too. Yes, does Matt Frost do never be pure blood? <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a tangent. Um, for something a little more direct, uh, but off the beaten path, it's actually pretty easy to find. I was surprised how easy to find it was. Bram Stoker's Dracula, not the one you're thinking of. But the 1979 TV movie starring Jack Palance as Dracula. And I mean, Jack Palance is an interesting figure because a lot of people, you know, associate him with like the, the City Slickers movie and a lot of old westerns he was in. So calling up Jack Palance to play Dracula, you think, how's that going to work? And it doesn't work the way you think it's going to work, but... Uh, what's interesting about Jack Palance is he was like first generation American. He was born of Ukrainian parents. It's actually his birth name was a uh, Volodymyr Palaniuk. So this is a guy who is connected to Eastern Europe in in a very direct way. I mean, Ukraine is a world apart from from Romania and Transylvania, but um, certainly closer from where he, you know, was kind of born and raised in Pennsylvania. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. It it just it feels so wrong that it feels right uh, because he's like really trying to act here. He's like really trying to be reserved. He's not doing a lot of like the quirks and the the kind of like Clint Eastwoody tough guy stuff that you know he kind of was he, he kind of perfected in westerns because you know they kind of came up in the same time. But um, he wears the full regalia. Uh, like the the tucks and tails kind of thing, and the the movie was directed by Dan Curtis, who people may may know as the creator of Dark Shadows. And there's definitely a Dark Shadows vibe across this. Like there's like flashbacks and things where they do like the the wavy dissolve, kind of like the Scooby Doo reveal, kind of dissolve, and uh, you know, so there's like weird lighting, like the soft lighting glow, you know, the kind of soap opery music. It was also written by Richard Matheson, which is just like, this is just a weird confluence of of people involved with this thing. Um, but then you have Jack Palance in the middle, like really trying to get in the head of Dracula, really just trying to embody something that he maybe gets on a fundamental level, but a fundamental level, but is not kind of like acting equipped to get there. So you get an actor who's really trying, probably a little over his skis, but it doesn't matter because I think that because of the production quality, because it was a TV movie, it, it's sort of like the, the, the two forces of nature kind of meet in the middle to create something like really weird and interesting. It feels like an offshoot of Dark Shadows. 
in a certain respect. And it also feels like a strange kind of homage to the, the English hammer movies, which I mean, at this point, like there were something like nine Dracula movies under the hammer banner and they kind of got sillier as, as time went on. But, um, so, so you get this kind of in, <laughs> oddly, this, this little odd artifact in the midst of all of this, just watching Jack Palance play Dracula in a movie made by the guy who made dark shadows. It's beautiful. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be real and it shouldn't be as easy to find. It is, this should be like something I have to, you have to turn over VHS carts at garage sales to find, but it's right there on YouTube. If you want to rent it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Great. I, uh, I am going to rent it now that you've done the the hard work of looking for it. Cause I did read about that one and I thought, wow, I should definitely check that out. Cause dark shadows, I, I loved dark shadows. I watched like old episodes when I was younger, but then there was also like a remake done in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, that lasted for a while. And I watched every episode of that. I really enjoyed dark shadows. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, you'll, you'll probably dig this too. It's got, it's got similar vibes. All right, let's get to your third pick, Candace. Yeah. Okay. And so before I share my third pick, I do want to give just um, for people listening who want to know more about all these Draculas, I definitely want to recommend that people listen to Grady Hendrick's um, podcast called Super Scary Haunted Homeschool. <laughs> so technically, all of the episodes are about vampires because he started the podcast when he was releasing the book uh, Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. So he did a whole um, sort of season uh, about vampires and vampirism and all that sort of stuff. But over the last uh, maybe three months or so, he's been releasing a few episodes specifically And I think it's probably because Renfield is coming out and he was like, Mm, hey, I can mm -hmm. capitalize on this and start putting things out. And he loves horror. He's like, he just has this knowledge of horror. But he's been doing these episodes just talking about all of the Draculas on film from (laughs) the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's been great. I've been listening to it. And I was thinking before Renfield, I was like, oh, I should definitely take this opportunity to watch all these old Dracula films. But I did not, which of course... Once you decide, you said, hey, let's count down, you know, some of the best Draculas. I'm like, damn, I knew I should have been watching all those old movies. Because I really had a hard time because I realized I haven't actually seen a lot of them. I haven't seen a lot of the classics. I know I can list everybody who's played Dracula, but I haven't seen that many. So for my final one, I I was trying to decide what to do because my first two are a little out there. Um, and I thought, is there a third out there one I can find? But I decided that I am just going to go with the classic, especially after having seen Bella, uh, see, seen Renfield. Mm-hmm. And that's Bella Lugosi in the mm-hmm. 1931 Dracula, which was, it wasn't obviously the first Dracula, but it's kind of the first one that people saw that became like a big hit um, and sort of launched that whole, uh, you know, universal monster sort of thing. And I think really more importantly, launched everything people think of when they think Dracula. Mm-hmm. You know, when people get dressed up in their costumes and go, I'm going out as Dracula, what do they do? They dress up like Bela Lugosi. That's right. They say, I want to suck your blood, <laughs> just like he did because he couldn't speak English because he was a Hungarian. Uh, he, he like is from Hungary. He hardly spoke English at all. So his accent was very strong. 
and it's the one that people use doing the whole like the the arm with a cape over his face everything people sort of think when they are are parroting dracula mm-hmm. is doing what bella lugosi did mm-hmm. and you know he I think I think most of the actors who played Dracula sort of did the same thing, but he just really embraced that whole like romance of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he he put all of that into it when he was in the you know in the role and being so like I'm just wooing, I'm wooing mm-hmm. these women, I'm I'm <laughs> wooing them. It's all about that, and he I, I just I mean you can't you can't not love Bella Lugosi. On top of that, he just returned to it over and over again. He didn't take himself too seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, despite the fact that he did take the role very seriously, he understood that as it was becoming more part of pop culture, that it was okay to sort of satirize it. I mean, he actually played that role again in the Abbott and Costello movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was a comedy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basically the same role again in Plan 9 from Outer Space. So, <laughs> He was he understood. He's like I've I already did all my best work as Dracula and now people love it and they're showing their love by continuing to to move this forward with and or without me. But I'm still a part of all the things they're doing. So, mhm. And yeah, you're right about the influence because I mean even in something like Hotel Transylvania, um that Dracula even though it, it's Adam Sandler's voice, it's it, it's skinny Bela Lugosi with Adam Sandler's mm-hmm. voice. It's uh <laughs> I mean that look is just so indelible. It's uh you know, you can't shake it even when um even when you're like you know, consciously trying to shake it. Um <laughs> the only I think the only Dracula that's really come close to sh- sort of shaking it completely is uh the old man Dracula in the that other Bram Stoker's Dracula where there, there was there was like a real conscious effort to sort of rejuvenate that style. Um I've I've quite nearly made that my other pick, uh but I, I think that um Bram Stoker's Dracula's gotten a lot of love lately. So I'm gonna go with Christopher Lee, um, who I mentioned in the the Hammer horror movies. Uh the, this is the classic from fifty eight. Um Lee plays Dracula Peter Cushing plays Van Helsing. Uh, Christopher Lee is a, it's such an interesting figure because he's, you know, he, as an actor, he's so well-read. He's so erudite. Um, he has that deep voice as well. And uh, he's he was also a very tall man. So he made for a very imposing Dracula. Um, there, there's kind of this... He also understood the, the sense of romance. He, he brought something very similar to what Bela Lugosi did, but it, it's a little more scary. It's a little more overbearing. It, it, you know, he just the size of, of Christopher Lee makes him imposing, but intriguing at the same time. And just, you know, the appearance of him in it, you know, he doesn't, he looks rather monstrous. He's got this gray hair slickered back. And um, I don't know if it's the film stock of the time or uh, how he was li- lit, but in like some of those scenes, it just, you know, he, he doesn't look quite right, <laughs> but, uh, it works and, and, you know, he makes it work. And so when he, like in the Dracula stuff clicks on and the, the contacts are in and the fangs are in, it's, it's, it's so truly frightening. And uh, because those movies were also made on the cheap too, it, you know, it was almost entirely on the, uh, the shoulders of, of people like Lee to, 
to really bring the monsters to life. And, you know, I think if you've ever seen an interview with Christopher Lee, uh, you see that he's, you know, quite a serious guy, takes the the craft of acting very seriously. And so he was bringing a lot of stuff to Dracula in terms of like an, an inner life, um, you know, a, a sort of a man walking the fine line between man and monster. He, he knew that he was physically imposing, but he also knew that, you know, there dracula has an allure um that is that is apart from his monstrous or perhaps because of his monstrous and and reading all of that into the part so uh i mean of course it was so successful too as i mentioned there were like nine of these things um so uh including dracula he he ended up in the modern day at, at some point too i can't can't remember what year that was but uh, yeah, Dracula versus the hippies, and you know, it's it, it got silly at some point. But it just like the original pure, like 1958 Hammer Studios Dracula, um, boy, is that good stuff. Um, and it's and you know, still holds up, still holds up. I think if you're if you know if you're a fan of a certain mindset, I think it still holds up. Yeah, and that's sadly some of the Dracula I haven't seen. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why I haven't seen any of the Hammer it's hard to, horror it's not, stuff. It's but. hard to find. It's, um, I, I think because of, you know, Hammer's, uh, let's call it, you know, economic ups and downs <laughs> over the years. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I have a, so I have a couple of horror, Hammer horror things, uh, including a Dracula, one of the lighter Draculas. Um, but they're on like VHS though. I think if I think if you want to find them, you probably have to go to England. I my my suspicion is they're probably easier to find than England in England than they are in North America. But that's let's just say that's neither here yeah. nor there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're gonna catch up with uh, a more modern Dracula. <laughs> we'll we'll touch on Lugosi some more because uh, boy, is there a heck is there a heck of an homage in this one? Uh, we're gonna re- we're gonna uh, review Renfield uh, coming up after this break. You are listening to end credits here on CFRU ninety three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. All of the sinners the same Girl, you and I would die Unbelievers bound to the tracks of the train I'm not excited But should I be? Is this the fate that half of the world has planned for me? Would you like to introduce yourself to the group? I'm the Prince of Alasia. <sighs> Some call me the Dark One. Others, the Lord of Death. <laughs> However, to most, I am known simply as... Brentfield's boss! Thank you. 
Okay, obviously we're dealing with a little bit more than just narcissism here. Okay, and that was a clip from Renfield. It's the new film from Chris McKay, and it stars Nicholas Holt, Aquafina, Ben Schwartz, Shoaray Aga Dashlu, Adrian Martinez, Brendan Scott Jones, Camille Chen, and Nicholas Gage. Ascount Dracula. <laughs> um so <laughs> I that mean, sounded th- a little more Count Chocula, but that's okay. <laughs> uh well, it, you know, it's it's a it's an homage of an homage. Um so Renfield, uh I could have swore this was one of those things that was like in development hell for a lot longer, but I, I could be thinking of last the last voyage of the Demeter, trailer for which was attacked Renfield, so good synergy there, Universal Pictures. Yeah, uh, that was weird. I was like, why are you showing me a trailer for the preview to the movie I'm watching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird that we get those two movies uh, in the same calendar year. I, I guess it's coming in August, so April, May, June, July, so in like five months. Um, and, you know, because April and August are definitely months out of the year that I'm thinking about Dracula. Yeah, those are, those are the Dracula months for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean if you're coming out in August, I don't know why you're not coming out in October, but again, neither here nor there. Um so what were your thoughts about Renfield? Like initial thoughts. Uh yeah, so I mean I saw the trailers. I was pretty I was like, this is obviously comedic. Um Nicolas Cage as as Dracula, this is going to be like a ton of fun and hilarious. Um so I went in, you know, a- expecting that. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much what it delivered, uh, though, you know, I, I actually, I don't know if other people will agree with me, but I actually kind of liked the story around the story with the whole, like, crime family in New Orleans and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I was like, oh, we're, you know, we're kind of doing a little thing here. We're adding, where it's not just about Dracula and Renfield, because I did... Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you could have made a whole movie that was really just about <laughs> their relationship, <laughs> but uh, their relationship was very fun. I think they played off each other very well. Nicolas Cage, obviously born to play Dracula. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, he just obviously he loved every second of what he was doing. He was 100% committed like Nicolas Cage is actually with everything. I've never seen him not act up a storm. Yeah. Um, I, I like this was this was so clearly like meant for him. Um <laughs> I did like as I was watching it, there was one particular scene that I just loved where I was like he is playing the wicked witch of the west right now. Like, he is just, I felt like he was basically, like, doing a drag performance. He's like, I am going to play the Wicked Witch of the West as Dracula (laughs) somehow. (laughs) And it worked. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I liked it a lot, too. I liked, I thought it was just enough. Um, Sometimes of these things, and obviously you get, you know, a persona like Nicolas Cage, you just kind of want to let him go and cram as much of that in, in, in into the thing as possible. And I think we get just enough. And I think it's, you know, there, there's enough self-awareness about it, too. Um, I love how they inserted Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Holt into this 31 Dracula 
as a kind of um i guess flat to, to, in in the place of flashbacks they're literally and i guess this comes in as, a, as an advantage um when you're the studio that has the rights to the 31 dracula you can just stuff in um <laughs> you know you just yeah. just stuff in the footage as you see fit um but yeah that, that i i enjoyed that part of it a lot that um connecting it to the the 31 dracula in this really unexpected way something normally something like that would have really kind of bugged me but i thought it was used just enough yeah this i i think what i liked about renfield is that it's a study in um knowing knowing how much is just enough um nicholas holt i'm not a particularly big fan of um i i think I don't know he he's an odd taste, and it feels like the, like the Renfield part. It feels like he's done this before. Whether we're talking about like Warm Bodies, or um, you know, in Mad Max Fury Road, when he's also like a, a subservient mm-hmm. to a to a scenery chewing villain. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I I think like the, him and Cage, you know, make a good combination. And you also get like other actors in here like aquafina i i've seen some people dumping on her online i don't think that's fair because i think she's actually trying to do some acting in this and not just yeah, being like aquafina i really liked aquafina in this i was yeah. like i love that they've put aquafina in this as the straight character like yeah. she is very much the one who is um not hamming it up and that yeah. i mean aquafina <laughs> is hilarious and plays very broad um but of course she doesn't always do that so it was nice in this film that was particularly like the whole point of it was a horror comedy and pretty much everybody else was playing <laughs> very yeah there yeah. was a lot of that uh, capital a acting going on and it was great um <laughs> and she was not and i was like that's actually exactly what we need right now is someone to just kind of ground it a little bit in reality yeah. yeah and that's the the role that she played and i'm like that's i think that's great i like to see i like to see people in different roles from what they've sort of done um and it's interesting because i when, when you started listing sort of nicholas holt as some of the other characters i'm like oh yeah i guess <laughs> i think of him actually as having been different in a number of things because i think of him as beast and mm-hmm. then about a boy and i mm-hmm. sort of forgot about um like yeah <laughs> I, I forgot about warm bodies entirely until you mentioned it but <laughs> well, i don't know i i like nicholas holt frankly even beast to a certain extent was kind of like yeah because he's in this whole thing where he's like you know in love with mystique but you know he feels like magneto's getting in the way and it's you know he has this kind of undercurrent of like i'm not i'm the hero but i'm not the hero like he was also in jack so he's he's a beta is what you're saying i don't want to put it that way but (laughs) yes (laughs) it's um yeah it it, he he definitely has i mean he was also in the menu i just forgot he was in the menu because yeah and he was such a jerk in the menu i hated him in that and it was great i really appreciated his role in that but of so. course like all the characters in the of all the characters in the menu he was kind of like the more most annoying and least interesting and um i mean to his credit i don't find him annoying or uninteresting here right you know i think there is, is something to this idea of you know um what kind of life do these like 
you know horror movie sidekicks have you know when you know what what is life like for the poor schlub who has to you know <laughs> collect victims for dracula collect body parts for dr frankenstein or um you know any of these guys you know what kind of you know and and you you say to like what kind of future do they have well it's like they have no future because they always get killed before the big boss gets killed so it's i i do like the the kind of inference there and it's it's not entirely play for laughs i mean it is a comedy but i mean there's also kind of something serious the harbor is going to these support groups for like people who have been in situations where they're in toxic relationships and it's like well who is in the most toxic relationship well it's obviously these like sidekicks who you know for some strange reason serve a a big bad but have mm-hmm. <laughs> have no ability to escape or or act on their own and um you know sh- should we should we be, should we be looking at rehabilitating those people and trying to get them to get their 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 power back and getting them to think that they are enough for themselves sure let's let's focus a little on that and then on on the side we can have uh nicholas cage uh wearing an obvious terrible wig um <laughs> eating people well in a vaguely eastern european accent uh yeah i mean it's yeah i, th- I think i just i that's and it's 93 minutes perfect chef's kiss um i'm not sure if people heard the chef's kiss but it's it, it it's it just gives you enough. It gives you enough. It gives you what you need and it sends you on your way. <laughs> yeah. I I did really enjoy the scene though when um uh, Renfield came home and of course mm-hmm. Dracula is now <gasps> in his apartment. That was great. And, that was great. Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of one of those things where it's like, yes, this movie is sort of a horror comedy. We are making fun of this like relationship, like the slave master relationship, the like manipulative power, but like <laughs> Everything that Dracula was saying to Renfield, I was like, whoa, this is like, this is real, like classic manipulation. And they just like Mm -hmm. went ahead and like made it and like turned it right around on him. Right. And I'm just like, wow, someone decided to actually like learn how narcissists talk and how (laughs) manipulation works and actually made it like work properly. It seemed like this moment in, you know, the middle of sort of a, a, comedy action where it's like oh but yeah we really do need to look out for like these terrible manipulative relationships because this is really a lot what it looks like like we're making a joke about it but it actually is kind of like this yeah and it comes like right after this goofiness where he walks right in and sees Dracula sitting there and he's like well how did you get in and he looks behind him and there's a welcome mat outside his apartment door and it's yeah it's like yeah that's I can see how that would be a drastic oversight. Um, yeah, like what was Renfield thinking? Also, do we really <laughs> think that a welcome mat is welcome enough for him to walk in? I don't think so. But <laughs> yeah, that seems kind of more general. Like, you know, hi, nice to see you. It's yeah, it's though in the Buffy the, there... the Vampire Slayer uh, mm-hmm. TV show, they said there's a sign over the high school that said all who seek knowledge are welcome or something in Latin. And the vampires are like, that's enough of a welcome for us. <laughs> so. Yeah. There's a legal gray zone that uh, we'll need to take the vampire court. And um, <laughs> we need to start building some precedent. Uh, yeah. I do appreciate that. Uh, it can be goofy. It can be straight. Um, and it can be bloody too. 
um, which I, I mean, I always appreciate um, the sight of just, you know, the utter ghoulishness. Let's say it, it feels like we, we rarely want to go there. One of the things I, one of the critiques I will say of this is that um, clearly there was somebody doing some really interesting prosthetic makeup. Um, there's the scene early on where Dracula's recovering from their last run-in with vampire hunters, and it's just like his face is like half melted off, and and the other half is burnt off, and um, you know Nicholas Cage is doing a bit of you know kind of choreography with it to make it look like he's kind of been um, disfigured and you know stuffs out of joint and. Uh, just the, the the makeup effects of them were just so lively and and gross and and great. But then it seemed to be in the action sequences especially. And I I'll, I'll say this too about the action sequences. I don't think that was Chris McKay's forte. I think it, a lot of it was really jagged yeah. and and choppy and it, kind of hard to follow. But then it, yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. I was like, I'm yeah. just not a fan. Like the cinematography, it's too close. Yeah, everything is sped up too fast. The editing is is too too short. Yeah, yeah, and and, and of course because of that too, that's when you start getting like some of these like CG like things of let's say things bursting and blood going everywhere yeah. but that I actually did like that because to me again that was sort of the comedy part of it right mm-hmm. like. This film is not grounded in reality at all, and we are going to make this, like, gore excessive, which, of course, you learn really, like, quickly at the beginning when Renfield is taking care of uh, Apache, uh, (laughs) the guy who cuts people's tongues off, and Mm -hmm. he, like, punches him, and his head rolls right out of the warehouse. I was like, oh, it's going to be this kind of violence, where it's, like, cartoony, over-the-top, it's not real violence, and then the gushing blood just continued for the rest of the movie. I want to be clear, I don't have a problem with the violence. I don't have a problem with the blood and guts. I have the problem with, like, how it looked, like, how the CG blood looked. It just, you know, it, it goes... You get some of these scenes and they just look great because it's old-fashioned practical special effects. And then you get these other scenes where somebody blows up and it's it's clearly a, a CGI thing. And it, it just, there's, there's, there's a certain, I mean, granted, none of it's natural, but there, there is a certain unnatural feeling to it, uh, unfortunately. I, I just, I, I wish that there had been like a full blown commitment. It's like, we're going to do all of this as practical. I mean, you, you can't necessarily always do it a hundred percent practical, but um, just like slow down the action scenes a bit. Like let's luxuriate in some of this violence for a minute. And uh, I mean, that's a weird expression, but you know, if you're tearing people's arms off, let, like make a show of it. It's like, yeah, I want to see the tearing off, not just the aftermath yeah. <laughs> where he's just holding to, I mean, I, I can see that already. I've watched it in like Star Wars, mm-hmm. <laughs> things like that. You know, the the Wookiees tend to dismember things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. I I did laugh a lot, however, at the mm-hmm. the dismemberment of the two arms and then using them to fight and spearing someone <laughs> with it. That was good. That was good. Laugh a lot. Yeah, like that. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like some of these are are fun. Like 
clearly some thought went into the fight. It just, it feels like, I don't know, like he didn't want to dwell on it. So we, I mean, but fine. You don't want to have like a big long fight sequence. Send fewer guys. <laughs> have them fight fewer guys. Yeah, or that was that. I mean, that was basically like when you're playing a, a first person shooter and you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, yeah, do do a fight, and they're just gonna keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. I don't know how big the New Orleans Police Department is supposed to be, but. Um, <laughs> I, I just like really all of all of them are here. Um, I did really appreciate that this was set in New Orleans, though, and mm. that they actually did some filming in New Orleans, though. It did make me a little bit. Um, I, I fell out of the narrative for a bit when she said, meet us at Cafe du Monde. Mm -hmm. And I said, OK, first of all, your like the entire police department is looking for you. <laughs> Why would you go to the outdoor cafe patio in the middle of the touristy area and like everybody's looking for you? They're going to see you there. Why would you go that? Then also I was like, but also which cafe du monde? Like <laughs> there are more than just the one that is like just slightly outside of Jackson Square. And then I became even more <laughs> taken out of the narrative when they were sitting on the patio having their cafe du monde and you could see sort of right beside them dead center was the the church at jackson square and i was like that's not the view from the pati patio of cafe du monde that's mm -hmm. that's a totally <laughs> so i was uh i was just a little taken out just simply because i love new orleans <laughs> and i've been there and i've spent a lot of time on the patio of cafe du monde and uh a lot of time for a person who's a tourist who's only ever gone there not like <laughs> mm -hmm. i'm sure people who live in new orleans were like eh, yeah no <laughs> that's mm -hmm. not that's not the case mm -hmm. i did i was really sorry though because i stay for the credits all the time mm -hmm. and there were some some pictures sort of happening behind the behind the credits i actually really liked the design of the end credits a lot mm -hmm. uh, like a lot a lot actually but i saw some of the photos and i was like wait because there's Nicholas Holt is is dancing in some of these, and they're all still shots. And then there's a shot of him with some of the other actors beside him who are also dancing. And I'm like, they shot a whole like dance number probably to do for the end credits, and they're on like a really narrow cobblestony sort of street, obviously right down in the French Quarter. And I was like, where do I see that scene? I want to see mm -hmm. <laughs> the scene of them doing a choreographed dance as the the like actors right in downtown like French Quarter. Where's that scene? That's interesting. I wonder if they pulled it after White Noise, because White Noise ends with a dance sequence, a superfluous dance sequence in the grocery store that just runs over the under the end credits. And I I know a lot of people aren't fans of that 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 was kind of no noah bomback taking things a bit too far so i wonder if they weren't i wonder if i wonder if it was a, a preventative measure it's like well we'll we'll show some pictures of it to show that we did it i i don't know i don't know what was for the few people like me who actually <laughs> sit and watch the entire end credits i mean it could be it's i mean if if it was a sequence um 
it's a shame it didn't make it but uh on the other hand that's the only thing that was the first thing i thought of it just you know noah bomback ruined and um and credits dance sequences forever and now nobody can do it so we'll show pictures instead i guess because that's <laughs> better question mark but yeah i don't i don't know it, it's i mean i i i do wonder if that would have been a, a a bridge too far if we're just like kind of going too far into this like because it just I, I i feel like this gets it about as right as you could have hoped it was good because i mean i remember seeing the trailer for this too and i remember i think i even mentioned it in one of my newsletters it's like this is something that's going to be interesting to watch this year it's like can not not necessarily from the point of view of like this is going to be good it's from the point of view like can they get this right can they do the horror comedy dracula movie with nicholas cage's dracula and let you leave the theater thinking that was good that was fun i'm so glad i saw that and they did it mission accomplished yep i agree <laughs> i i you know what else can you say nicholas cage is count dracula again he's just he was born born to play the character apparently there are like three roles that nicholas cage um they're on his like acting bucket list. One is Superman, which, you know, uh, stuff happened there. Uh, although he did do the voice of Superman in T Titans Go. So maybe he checked that one off the list. Dracula, he just checked that off the list. Number three, and this may be the toughest needle to thread, Captain Nemo. Yeah, that's from um, um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Who, I, who I think we've come to understand as a a non-white character as originally envisioned um instead of the the john mason uh portrayal that was in the the the, the original disney but um so you know I, I got my fingers crossed for for cage maybe he'll get his crack at nemo one day um who knows yeah it might be voice work but whatever <laughs> it counts <laughs> all right well that's renfield that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it you could stay connected to us at our website endcreditsradioshow.com and you can find every episode of our show there or you can download it from the guelph politicast channel every friday at podbean or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify and when you're on spotify you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on end credits just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can also find us on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Candace, where can people find you on the internet? I am everywhere to be found on the internet at uh, Sin48, C-I-N-N-4-8. Um, basically, I tweet a lot about the movies I'm watching, which, yes, are often Hallmark films. Hallmark and horror. How was that Hallmark Easter run? It was good? I'm just pulling your chain. Uh, I didn't watch I, the Easter movie. It was a little too um, religious for me. Interesting. Um, we'll have to talk about that later. I will be back here on CFRU Thursday at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. Or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca and you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU. 
93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits. And we will see you then.